What's going on, guys? Michael here, Energy 360 Network by Intercom. Excited to bring you this another interview, this time with Quorum Data. They have a, such a fascinating history, and I'm excited to get into it here. But first, please, if you're not subscribed to the digital closing bell, another shameless plug. Please subscribe, 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 www.oilandgas360.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, follow Intercom on YouTube. You can see all the content that yours truly, me, who's the host of the show, puts there. Please rate, review, subscribe, whatever makes those iTunes algorithms love us. Please do that. We cover everything you need to know in the finance game, and we do it quickly, succinctly. We get you in and out, and we don't waste your time. Last podcast we have was a great segment. Nick Barry came on and talked some about some M&A deals that would happen between Chevron and Oxy, and we also dove into an interview that Scott Sheffield did. Please check that out on iTunes. And this interview is great. It's, it's, it's with Quorum Data. And what really these guys do is they're taking all of these workflows and they're combining them into one consistent enterprise integration. It drives faster deployment. It gives you access to clean, consistent, and consumable data so that you can get on with your work as an oil and gas operator. The CEO, the chief marketing officer sat down with Dan um, Genevieve, who's the director of consulting at Entercom, and Stu Turley, who's the director and publisher of Oil and Gas 360, and their chief marketing officer, Oliver Terry, sat down. Fascinating conversation. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys hear that. Hey, so how's everybody doing today? Super. Yeah, very well. Good to see you guys today. And uh, Olivier, you're up in uh, the woodlands today, aren't you? I am just north of Houston, uh, happily quarantined and doing well. Uh, Dan, you're up in Denver, right? That's correct. Uh, just like Olivier, I am uh, happily working from home and, and uh, you know enjoying it uh, and settled into a routine now. So I feel like I'm uh, back to kind of production level. Oh, that's good. Uh, being married for 34 years, it's kind of nice to be uh, like social distancing from your wife. Um, anyway, that'll be on the cut room. Anyway, just we're here to have a discussion about uh, Quorum software and, and the technology. And, and uh, we have just really been having a nice conversation. And so um, the technology that we have seen in the oil industry, uh, people are old school. They did not want to update until now. All of a sudden, everybody has to work from home. And so uh, Quorum being a technology company, you didn't have any problems with your staff, did you? Oh, no, we were able to switch over to remote operations literally overnight. Um, that's pretty cool because uh, we have seen in the oil and gas industry the refusal of wanting to make changes. And now you're getting feedback from clients saying we need to change. Yep. In fact, it's, uh, it's, we actually believe that it's going to drive different behavior going forward. For example, um, we just announced that we're, uh, we're uh, canceling our live user conference in Las Vegas in June, and we're moving to a virtual conference. And we think that that is the precursor to how a lot of folks eventually will, might want to take you know, and get information from Quorum. So as the oil and gas industry starts to become more and more digitized, it's going to help uh, our business tremendously. You know, uh, Olivier, we, we've done somewhat the same thing. You know, we're, we're in the business of, you know, uh, relationships between energy companies and the capital markets. Uh, and we, we host our two conferences each year. We're still planning on our August conference in Denver, the oil and gas conference going forward is scheduled. 
um, I think uh, there's you know confidence that that uh, uh, the world might kind of be back to somewhat normal by then. But you know the one thing I find in oil and gas is there are a lot of things that can be uh, uh, digitalized and and uh, placed on the cloud to create efficiencies. Um, I do worry a little bit about uh, the interaction. You know, there, the human relationship and and uh, is very important. Uh, so uh, I don't want to see it all go away, but but definitely, you know, and and certainly with the technology that you guys have, there's a lot of opportunity to digitalize uh, the oil and gas mar uh, industry. Where do you see the greatest opportunities? that oil and gas companies can take advantage of now? And, and I'll ask two questions on that. Uh, you know, what's, what's the value proposition for them and what's the return on investment? I always like to focus on that. Well, I think if you, um, if you use technology to only further silo yourself, then you've missed the whole point. <laughs> I think the idea here is to use technology to actually improve collaboration. To break down those silos and if you're you know Dan as you're asking the question what comes to mind is field to back office for example I mean the fact that you could have a pumper entering information on a field data captured device on a mobile device and it goes up into the cloud and it's immediately available back at the head office so you can make decisions on allocations or production that's an example where collaboration is fostered as opposed to we're using we're using technology to further silo people so um, there are numerous examples uh, where, you know, where we can essentially silo bust, if you will, the organization where you can start to collaborate the workflows across the various organizations, automate those and drive not only efficiencies, but, you know, strip out a lot of GNA costs, strip out a lot of lease operating expense. I mean, that all happens from looking at your business and thinking of it more horizontally, think horizontally as opposed to you know, we've always been vertical. You know, we drill, we, we tended to drill vertical until one day we said, hey, let's drill horizontally. That was a smart move. So yes. in, in the, along the same lines, think horizontally about business processes, how they flow from the field to the back office. So I think there's tremendous opportunities there through savings and efficiencies. Um, it, sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, uh, so, so, uh, what is the environment like? Um, well, and, and I'll say, you know, just prior to uh, the coronavirus slowdown here, uh, what was the appetite did did you guys find from oil and gas uh, companies looking into technologies that you guys offer? Uh, we met you down at NAPE, and uh, what was the feedback? Uh, is there a lot of interest? Well. To, to give you an idea, we just finished last, uh, last year in 2019, we completed 115 enterprise projects, which is pretty significant for, for, for Quorum. I mean, we had, you know, like Apache had selected us for land management. We had CNX doing all of their, all of their production revenue accounting. We had, you know, Castleton Commodities, you just, just to name a few of them. So a lot of big names and a lot of companies who finally said, you know what, we really have to make this, this turn this digital transformation turn. And that was, by the way, that was still on, a, on an upward tick until probably March 8th, which is when, when, the, when the price war was announced. And then all of a sudden everybody went, oops, we need to rethink this right now. We need to strip out some CapEx. 
So there was been, there's been a little bit of a slowdown, but actually in the last week or two, I've been monitoring demand, the demand generation from our engine. And, um, last week was, uh, was actually a better week than the week before when the coronavirus, you know, the pandemic was announced. Um, so we're seeing, we're still seeing an appetite and those companies that are actually in the forefront that are really going to drive this are going to continue to drive it even right now because they have no choice. So, so there's, there's still terrific appetite. I think this also proves the point more so than ever before. For example, you know, we were mentioning as we were, as we were, you know, before we came online, if you've got leases stuffed in boxes right now, you can't get to them. You can't go to the warehouse. You can't go to your office. How do you do your, how do you do your land management business? You don't do, you don't do it. It's better if that, for example, if that's in the cloud, first of all, it's more efficient, it's smarter, it's accessible, but it's also secure. I mean, so there are different things that we're seeing right now where people are going, oh yeah, we're starting to get people who are looking at accounting and saying, can I move from a non-prem accounting to host it in your cloud? Yes, of course you can. It just makes sense. And, and don't you guys take that information? Let, let's let's talk about land and royalty and and some of that, uh, as well as uh, you know well production. Uh, you guys can integrate that, right? And and so on the back office side, when you have to start cutting checks for royalty payments and for uh, 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 you know mineral rights and other types of things, you can automate all that and and basically take that cloud data, uh, that lease data. Right. and meter it up against what's coming out of the well and appropriately pay everybody. Um, yep. That's the efficiency that, that you guys bring, you know, that's yeah, one. I mean, right. And then, and then not only, not only you cut the checks, but all, all your accounting, all, all of your compliance, all your reg reporting, everything is done. I mean, it's because you really only want to enter a, a piece of data once. You don't want to enter it several times because first of all, it's not going to be the same if you're <laughs> generally speaking, if it's siloed and you're asking somebody to enter, you know, information about a well, about the same data element in several different silos, you're going to end up with a mess. So the idea is that you're entering data once, but you're sharing across the systems. You're able to then be able to do things in ways that you just haven't been able to in the past. So, yeah, I mean, that's the reason why we're seeing, even in these times right now, even this past week, a major project was kicked off by an upstream company um, with a, a significant systems integrator, ourselves, another software vendor, uh, a hardware vendor, all getting together, you know, you know, several, several dozens of people on a virtual kickoff call to launch this project right now. And, and the reason why they're doing it is because they recognize they have to become more efficient. They have to come out of these, out of the, out of the oil crisis, oil pricing crisis. They have to come out of that leaner, with leaner operations, more capital efficient, you know, efficient operations, free cash flow has got to be generated big time. I mean, so they're, um, they're doing it and that's, you know, that's great stuff. And, they, and these solutions apply, you know, to E&P uh, as well as, you know, the midstream piece yeah. of it. Yeah. And I mean, so, yeah. And, Sorry. Dan. Yeah, I was going to say even the downstream piece, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, with LNG being uh, a, a, an an emerging and evolving uh, um, piece of our energy uh, solution here in America. Uh, I, I assume that there might be application even for those. Uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah. Well, first of all, the, the the big crude pipelines are still doing are still happening. So, for example, you know, we do work on on 
on uh, on Keystone right now. So all of the batch scheduling, all of that, all of the the nominations and the scheduling and the business aspects. So what's happening is that the the the, the pipeline companies are going. It's silly for us to have teams of people building custom software when we should be looking at getting commercial off-the-shelf software that that's that can do this work for us. So that's what we're seeing. And we're seeing that not only across one, two, three, but across, broadly across all of the, for example, all of the pipeliners. Then you've got local distribution companies. They're still supplying gas, for example, to, to their constituents. They are looking to become more efficient. You got LNG terminals also looking to make sure that we can continue to do the export of LNG. Then you've got also storage. You've got, um, well, you've got NGLs and you've got marine terminals and you've got all kinds of stuff where there's in that downstream supply chain, still very, very active, super active right now. And, and we're, in fact, from a quorum perspective, we're kind of, we've got this nice mix because we got, you know, we've got 950 upstream customers. We have 350 midstream and transportation customers. So we get this nice balance of business. It, you know, it, it's almost counter cyclical when upstream is tough, midstream is usually pretty good. When upstream is boom, you know, midstream is, is usually doesn't have enough supply lines. And so, um, so we're, um, yeah, we're, we're seeing a, a, a large uptick in, in demand in, in midstream. You know, the other thing is uh, with all of the mergers, acquisitions, bankruptcies, having business continuity between the platforms is where you guys are really going to shine as a uh, uh, software uh, service company, being able to backload all of these things off. Do you see all the bankruptcies and mergers coming up really to your benefit? Well, yeah, I mean, you just, you know, you could almost look at it and go, so what happens now with, you know, with uh, when you have somebody like Oxy's, you know, debt almost being rated as junk. I mean, what happens, you know, like, so is that, does that mean now that, you know, Chevron goes after Oxy and Anadarko for less than what they were going to offer Anadarko? In which case, guess what? I mean, all of their, all of those, you know, those, those assets are in, in large cases are running on quorum software. It makes it easy for them to, to, uh, to, to move it over, if you will. Right. Uh, I'm using that as an example. I mean, that's just one, one example, but we're starting to see, you know, there with the shakeup that's going to happen, in the, with the, the shale guys, um, you're going to see assets changing hands. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, in fact, the, the, um, the comp Intel stuff that, that we, that we are, that we have with, uh, energy IQ that we just acquired. So it uh, allows these companies to, to be able to say, where should, where's the opportunity? Who's producing at what price and where can we, and, and, you know, we, we can do better than that. So why don't we look at acquiring that? And I think you're going to see that roll up in that consolidation. And to the extent that your stuff is automated, you can put it in a virtual data room. It's there to be inspected. You can you can make a bid on it because it's clean. It's you know it's been uh, it's been audited. That just makes acquisitions and divestitures much much easier than if you're you know if you're non if you're if you're not digitally uh, enabled, if you will. Yeah, I'll just I'll throw out this. You know, uh, call it a boomer beef uh, with technology. That that is. Um, those of us who kind of grew up as technology was evolving, you know, one of my big uh, issues has always been, uh, you know, you, you, you get a piece from this software company, you get a piece from this software company, you get a piece from, you know, this uh, software company, uh, and, and you try and mash them together and integrate, 
uh, and when it doesn't work, you know, all, all of them point their fingers back at everybody else, exactly, which is, you know, uh, uh, which is why, you know, I've got gray hair probably, but uh, um, how do you, how do you view that? How does Quorum deal with that? Uh, whether it's integrating with another software or being an integrated solution, kind of a soup to nuts solution. Great question. First thing is, obviously, we try to cover as much of the value chain as we can to eliminate the, the glueware required to integrate islands of disparate automation. The other thing that's important, so ask yourself the question, why do they have, first of all, these silos? Because they want to buy best of breed. So, so what you really need is this best of, you need to have the best of both worlds. You need to have best of breed solutions that operate in a modular yet open ecosystem that can be integrated into a singular platform. So that's the operative word, platform. You know, we've, we've always had a strong notion you know, for the 20 years of our existence of having a platform where our best of breed apps could, in, uh, could interoperate, share a common data model, and be able to integrate seamlessly. In doing so, we said, well, you know what? It's not just our apps. If SAP has a you know, back-end financial system or Oracle, or whatever, you should be able to connect to that. In fact, that, that, that kickoff that I just talked about, that's exactly that. So, and they have a strong notion of a platform as well. So I think, I think the concept here is that um, the vendors that are really going to make an impact on companies and eliminate that glueware pain are companies that provide a platform that's, open, that's an open ecosystem where they cover a great majority of the, of, the, of the software needs can be at least broken into maybe two players, three players. There's not a lot of appetite to stitch together, oh, I got seven vendors. That's just, that's suicidal. But you know, two, like oh, an, an SAP, an Oracle, and maybe one more, I can, I can get my head around that, right? Uh, yep. you know, or an SAP and a quorum, and I can get my head around that, right? But it, it, it just, if you've got too many of these, it never really works. And so a platform, become a software platform, like having that as the, as the foundational aspect of delivering software, is critical to helping customers get through that. Uh, very cool. Uh, Olivier, i got a question for you and Dan here. We were kind of talking before this and uh, about uh, what do you guys think would solve our pricing on oil right now? Well, I'll, I'll jump in first. I, you know, I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago uh, regarding the Trump administration's response to the Russia OPEC Saudi Arabia price war, uh, and I suggested uh, that we implement taxes. They don't require congressional approval. Um, they're quick, uh, and they don't cost the U.S. Treasury anything, uh, and uh, that would provide uh, an uplift in West Texas, allow American shale producers, North American shale producers, uh, to survive. Um, I think that that's a, an easy, simple solution. Uh, Olivier uh, had a suggestion what was it? NOPEC? Uh, uh, NAPEC, North American Petroleum Exporters, uh, you know, uh, country, exporting countries, right? So create a, a North-South, create a North-South um, coalition of exporting, petroleum exporting uh, countries, and basically, you know, take it from there. I yeah, that certainly, that, that certainly would balance, uh, you know, kind of balance uh, uh, against kind of OPEC and Russia yeah. and some of the other producers. Yeah. Manipulating I absolutely think that is a fantastic idea with our clients in South America. Uh, I would love to see that. Yep. 
um, guys, uh, I truly appreciate your time. And uh, it looks like we're just about out of time. Uh, Olivier, thank you very much for your time. And we sure hope to have you back again soon. So thank you all very well, much. Stay Dan, safe, guys. Dan, thanks for you, uh, your time in Denver. Appreciate you. You bet. You guys take care.